All right, we're live and we're rolling, and this is The Real Venture. I'm your host, Peyton, joined by my cousin and business partner, Luke. And Luke and I are entering into the business world by starting a few companies of our own. So we decided to create this very podcast as a platform so we can ask other successful entrepreneurs the questions we need answered in order to help our businesses grow. Every single week, we are joined by CEOs, venture capitalists, artists, co-founders, and influencers, all with one thing in common, they're young entrepreneurs. The only thing I'm gonna need you to do is hit that subscribe button so you never miss a conversation. Every single Wednesday, Luke and I will be right here and we can't wait for you to join us. All right, so today, it's just going to be Luke and I, and you know we kind of want to mix up what we've been doing with with all of our interviews. They've been awesome. We've been able to interview a lot of really interesting people and ask them a lot of questions that we've actually been able to, to implement into our own business. So being able to do exactly what the whole goal of our podcast is, is to you know come up with uh, different tips and strategies from other successful entrepreneurs and then actually begin to implement them uh, in you know our dream businesses. But today, Luke and I basically wanted to record a conversation that we were going to have anyways, which was around blockchain. Um, it's something that Luke's really passionate about. And, you know, I am learning um, just by spending so much time with Luke, you know, some of that stuff begins to rub off. So we're going to go uh, have a little back and forth today um, around blockchain. Luke, what would you say is, is the main goal of this episode? What what do you want people to take away? Yeah, you know, I mean, the two of us have uh, gone back and forth about things adjacent to this a lot. And I think that I've had a lot of fun conversations about it with people. And I think the most important thing to be able to get out of kind of any introductory conversation about this stuff is like, what is blockchain to start with? It's just a word to a lot of people. Like, how can I visualize it? How can I think about it? And then understanding, especially in a context that's important to me, is how is it relevant to cryptocurrencies? Um, and you know, going forward, what is it going to be used for? Why should we think about it? And, and it'll really lay the foundation for us to think about things like cryptocurrencies or other applications of blockchain in a more educated light, not just think of them as you know scams or um, some uh, fringe technology that that really isn't too uh, long lasting, more of a bubble. Yeah. And, you know, this might just be my own ignorance talking, but when I think of blockchain, I immediately think of crypto. Um, but as I'm sure you're going to break down here, there's a lot of different applications for blockchain um, and it goes far beyond just cryptocurrency. But before we get into any of that, I mean, what what is blockchain? Yeah. So the important thing to kind uh, of kind of visualize when you think of blockchain is just like a, a database or a data table or Hopefully everybody listening to this has worked with something like Google Sheets or whatever the case may be. Um, and really you can think about it like a very specific type of a Google Sheet, one where you have um, you know, the ability for anybody to look at it, um, but only correct records or correct entries can be added to a Google Sheet. And generally speaking, the entries are kind of in a, in a time-based manner. So earlier entries are towards the top, later entries are towards the bottom. And uh, the, kind of the, the first real use of this idea of being able to have a uh, database where you know, anybody can look at it, but only if the things are correct, only specific people can add to it, is was relevant for Bitcoin back in 2008. Um, that was kind of the first like real implementation uh, of it. The idea I think had been around for 20, 30 years before, but the like that was the first real use. And then kind of since that became 
a more um, accepted thing or a more well-developed thing, a lot of other uh, applications have been brought up, uh, you know, things like supply chain, which, you know, saw a lot of action in 2016, 17, 18, um, but really have not materialized into anything super exciting. But uh, but really the, the biggest and most impactful one right now is in finance because finance is so, it requires so much trust to be done that when you have the system that is trustless, you're able to, uh, to to kind of replicate a lot of those services that used to require trust, allowing them to become digitized, allowing them to be software-driven. So we can talk about all that in detail. But So if it is something that everybody can view, for some reason that like kind of strikes a red flag with me in, in finance because, I mean, couldn't I just... Well, actually, first, before I even go into that question, how can everybody view this? Is it, I mean, can I Google search Bitcoin blockchain and literally start to see everything? Yep, you can see all the transactions. Now, that that being said, you will have uh, a hard time understanding what's going on. That If you understand what each transaction is, right? It's an address and an address and an amount. Um, that gets you kind of a long way with it. But then figuring out what address is whose uh, is a little different. So that's why it's anonymous, but it's not uh, private, if that makes sense. So so how does that work with finance then? Because all of those transactions have to be completely private. So couldn't I just like log on to Chase's Bitcoin portal and see that, you know, you just sent somebody a thousand dollars? Well, I mean, Chase doesn't have a Bitcoin portal. Um, you So let's, let's go through a, a test example. Um, I send you $100. My hex code address is some, uh, you know, unrecognizable 32 character number. Um, So is yours. And some third party comes in and, you know, they're able to see that one of the transactions was our transaction. But how would they ever identify that that was us? Gotcha. There are... Um, there is a, a bit of a flaw in that idea, generally speaking, I think, that you have kind of like these um, anonymous but public addresses that kind of you can you can see repeat usage, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like if my address is doing a bunch of transactions, somebody could just like search my address in the blockchain and find all the times that I transacted. In the online-only world, it's a little harder to link that up with a, a person. Um, maybe there's some identifiable information, like let's say um, a business has an address, and you find out that business's address either, you know, by uh, because you sent that address money or whatever the case may be. The the people that are all paying that business, you're able to see all the transactions where that person is or where those people are sending that business money. Um, And maybe you could like backfill to figure out where, like what each person, who each person was, right? You saw somebody walk into a store, you look for like approximately that time paying this address and you're like, okay, I think I found that person's, you know, blockchain address. And then you like go and search into the blockchain for like all the times that that address did stuff. And you can like start to piece together that person's financial life. Gotcha. That's a difficult thing to do, generally speaking. And there's also a lot of, uh, there are actually already services that basically mask your address. So they like double your, your address is already not your actual address. It's already a hash of your, it's already a like a scrambled version of your real address. It's just always the same scramble. And there are solutions that basically re-scramble it when you, when you uh, send money. So, so you like, really can't be tracked because it's like just a random address every time. Gotcha. Okay. So we, we broke down a little bit of, of what blockchain, but 
in a in a in a summary version, what does blockchain enable, and why is it important going forward? Blockchain enables trustless record keeping, which means you don't need a third party to oversee whether or not a database or a record is being maintained correctly. You can do it completely as a as a community or as a group of people. Gotcha. And then why why is that important? Like why is that relevant going forward? One of the biggest limitations of software is that um, it lacks the ability uh, to kind of possess in intrinsic value because it doesn't you can never really um, uh, you know, trust a computer system beyond the people maintaining the software. So you always have to trust Facebook. You always have to trust Apple, whoever is running your thing. And while I don't think that any of them have my worst interests in mind, um, it just puts limitations on how far you're willing to go trusting just software. And, uh, and it always requires you to have that extra person. So um, what it enables is things like finance that are extremely, extremely expensive to maintain. And it allows it to be automated. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. So, you know, just from my thought process and, and understanding of it, uh, I think it will become clearer as as we go forward and we start to see um, more examples of that. But the one area of blockchain that I am thinking about constantly is, is cryptocurrency. So Luke, I want you to do a couple things here. First, what is cryptocurrency? And then second, how is it different than uh, a traditional dollar bill, for example? Cryptocurrency uh, at, at its heart um, is a, a list of transactions. So as we've talked about with blockchain briefly now, you have this long, long list of uh, things that have happened. Um, at the end of the day, that's all any money is. It's just a IOU after IOU. Um, so Peyton pays Luke 10 bucks, Luke pays somebody else 10 bucks, and Luke has zero dollars, right? Um, and you, you kind of demarcate that with, uh, with how much money you have. And so what cryptocurrency is, is it's a way of maintaining that kind of um, uh, that accuracy purely with software and without needing anything else to, uh, to help verify it. So you, you're able to just have a, a piece of software that says, okay, guys, now start doing work with each other or, or paying each other to do things, um, and we'll keep track of it. And uh, at the end of the day, everybody will have a little bit of money to go you know, do other stuff with it in the form of cryptocurrencies. Um, and so like, really what that means is you, know, you have um, uh, this whole network of people who are using Bitcoin right now and they're sending it back and forth to each other, all these transactions saying, oh, you're, you have a little bit more money, you have a little bit less money. And at the end of all of that, you know, compared to the US dollar, you just, in one case, have a government that says, these are the rules around money, and this is what money is worth. And then in the other one, you have kind of a, just a piece of software that's just tracking who paid who and letting kind of a market decide what the value of that dollar uh, effectively is uh, that new currency. How is there always how is there always available Bitcoin? I'm just going to use Bitcoin as as our example. Why is there always available Bitcoin? I mean, are people always selling it? I feel like, you know, like if I wanted to to, to log on to like Coinbase or or, or you know, a, a very consumer-centric app and just buy Bitcoin, how is there always stuff available? Well, I mean, think about it like stock. Like how is there always stock available if you want to buy stock? Like people always have a price that they're willing to pay. Bitcoin is, you know, you can fractionalize it down to 10 to the negative 18 or whatever it is. Like 
if you wanted to buy $5 of Bitcoin from somebody, you'll always be able to find somebody willing to give you some version of $5 of Bitcoin, whether that's one Bitcoin or 0.00001 Bitcoin. They'll be like, sure, take a Satoshi, a, a sat. Yeah. Stack your sats. Um, the, uh, yeah. So, so like, I mean, there's always people who are, everyone's willing to sell at some point. And so that's just kind of how the market's made. So at whatever the market price is, is where there's equal number of buyers and sellers. And so there's always people willing to, uh, willing to sell at any price above, <laughs> above market price. Okay. So we've kind of established that then, like you just said, that, that there is a market for this. And, you know, we talked a little bit in the beginning about the, you know, relating this to a spreadsheet, which I think is a good analogy, right? You know, if we're just trying to think of this uh, from a very high level standpoint. So why is blockchain so uniquely important for currency and why can't we just continue to, to use the the traditional spreadsheet version? Why do we need uh, this updated decentralized version? Yeah, yeah. And it goes back to that trustless bit. The spreadsheet works when you trust the person who owns the spreadsheet, whether that's a bank or a government or whoever. Um, if you want, which is the way it works now, which right? Is how it works I mean, now. like right now, governments, and that's what we would refer to as centralized, right? Like the U.S. government runs the U.S. dollar. They say it's worth a dollar. We believe it, and then we base everything off of that. Yeah, right? and, and saying it's worth a dollar maybe was a, a miss, a miss um, speak on my part. But it's it's you know they they do determine kind of you know how many of them exist and. Um, you know, kind of there yeah, on the dollar, it says backed by full faith and credit of uh, the U.S. government or whatever it is. Um, and like all, all those kind of like backings and um, uh, kind of controls that they're able to put on money are, are like the cost, I guess, associated with allowing them to maintain kind of our financial system. So then the, the kind of cool thing about Bitcoin or currency, cryptocurrencies, generally speaking, is that you have this version of it, this version of money that is completely maintained through automated means. So you don't need to rely on any subjectivity. It accomplishes its goal, which is providing a means of exchange or a store of value. And, uh, and you do that completely uh, in an automated way. And that's relevant for a few reasons. One being that you have um, uh, what's called censorship resistance. So you have um, the ability for uh, kind of money to be a purely a utility instead of a weapon, especially in countries that have much less um, financial stability. And you have things, you know, you know like hyperinflation or um, kind of, um, you know, completely, you know, taken away kind of bank accounts from people, whatever the case may be, right? You you have a lot of power if you're the one in control of the financial uh, system because everybody relies on it. Um, and so you kind of take that away uh, with with making it decentralized, and, and then beyond that, you have um, a lot of uh, opportunity to innovate on top of it now because it's open and because it's uh, all automated. You can plug in other automated things into it, and you can start using it kind of as. A, so is that is that how new is that how new coins become because it's an innovation of an existing blockchain? Like they put their own spin on it, throw it into their white paper, and that's why Ethereum is different than Bitcoin, which is different than maker which is different than a million other names. yeah so that's actually that's um, a kind of a deeper a deeper thing there's a lot of interesting uh interesting stuff there um i'll say first uh they use the similar underlying technology in blockchains so let's just take three examples um bitcoin ethereum and dogecoin because they were all kind of 
some of the first uh, currencies created. Bitcoin was first one, has a fixed set of rules, has its way of, of operating. It really, really just is a way of holding value. It's a way for you to say, hey, I paid you this much of this thing at this point in time, so you owe me, or I have this much of it, right? Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Dogecoin use the same technology. So I think 2013 it came around, um, but it just, it really has like, f- like insanely funny or perhaps since the market cap $60 billion, dangerous um, rules around it that, that govern it. So it has like kind of an unlimited supply, which is actually similar to the dollar. But what that really means is they just keep making more to finance the people securing it, right? So you just have kind of huge inflation. And it throws it throws the idea of scarcity out the window when there's an unlimited coin, right? That's why Bitcoin is so attractive is because there's only, what, 21 point whatever million yeah, there's coins only in the million. last, like, 2 million haven't been mined yeah, yet. Yeah, and so the, and so the, um, um, the idea of scarcity, less, a, less of a case. But what I'll say there is Dogecoin is potentially a more interesting way of transacting than Bitcoin. I don't think Bitcoin is necessarily the best way to to be a medium of exchange, at least not as of, of now, and mostly because of how you know focused it is on being a store of value and and staying like that. It doesn't have a lot of extra features beyond that. Whereas, so Dogecoin, mostly joke, I don't know, it is what it is. Um, the kind of last one though, is it, as I mentioned, Ethereum, um, that one is kind of on a different level, uh, than the other two in that it takes the same idea of being this blockchain, trustless money, blah, blah, blah. And then allowed you to effectively write and run computer programs on it. Um, so without trying to describe what a computer is really just think of it like you have Amazon web services effectively that can run specific types of, of programs, but, uh, it's distributed across all the people who are validating the blockchain the same way they validate it with Bitcoin. Um, so there's all these, you know, interesting things that have been done and, and can, will still continue to be built on top of it. And that's where your makers and your, you know, die, um, come in is, is they're built on top of Ethereum. Um, they're not built as like, like Ethereum in their own blockchain. Gotcha. Um, so there's different blockchains and then there's coins on top of blockchains as well. Gotcha. So when we're, you know, we just, we just spent a good, a good amount of time talking about the, the, the financial side of it. And I know, that there are some applications beyond that, but before we move into those to uh, to kind of wrap up, you know, why is crypto going to be important going forward, and um, you know, what is the one thing you want people to to take away from this when it comes to their approach on crypto? Sure, yeah, no, um, I, I mean, I um, have uh, really gotten involved in the space over the last like seven or eight months. Um, it's been really interesting to see all the new stuff that keeps being built. And I think that the thing that everybody should be watching out for and and continuing to uh, try to understand as much as you can um, is just this idea that now finance doesn't have to be something where you have somebody in the middle and, and, and being able to step away from the idea of a bank. Uh, so w- what's being enabled by that are much higher interest rates on savings, more access to loans as needed for businesses, homes, whatever the case may be, uh, more targeted or cheaper insurance. 
even things kind of uh, downstream of that, like um, really targeted and kind of creative financial products around loans. And then beyond that is um, you have kind of like full access to these decentralized finance companies. Those tokens are are effectively equivalents of equity. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm even allowed to say that legally, but that, like it, that is kind of the the analogy is that they are a stake in future revenue streams or whatever the case may be in these companies that are operating services that are generating revenue. One of the biggest ones, Uniswap, um, just generated like $200 million in revenue in the last quarter. Um, which in the last crazy. quarter? Uh, yeah. And so uh, it, they're, they're, you know, real, <laughs> real companies. Um, and, and you get a little bit of that. In, in ownership of the tokens. And so what I'm saying is you now can invest in private companies. Like everybody can invest the same way that like, you know, VCs invest in startups and you see these crazy big returns. It's very realistic to see that same thing. You also see crazy big losses, right? Like a lot of them will go to zero over time. But that being said, you do have the ability to invest in early stage companies in like little tiny amounts, pick ones that you think are really cool, get into them, see if they work and maybe you hundred times your money, maybe it goes to zero. Um, but you, you, you know, this was not possible before any of this, uh, unless you were kind of betting on the side with like, a, you know, your buddies or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, well that's, that's exciting. Uh, and also I think it's exciting for you know, like our listeners who are looking to start their own businesses, um, and, you know, kind of advance their careers that way. Maybe that this is a way in the future or maybe not so much the future. Maybe it's a way now to, you know, raise some capital, some funding for your, for your businesses as you move forward. And I think it's definitely something that we will continue to, to talk about. The last thing I want to break down before we, you know, end our little blockchain in 30 segment, which I think is kind of a cool name. Um, let's talk about the non-financial uses of it. We talked a little bit about supply chain in the beginning, but Luke, I mean, real quick, I mean, what are some other areas that we might see blockchain moving forward? Yeah. So like I mentioned, it's uh, really the main, main money and use right now is in finance. Um, but that being said, there are a lot of, a lot of interesting other use cases. I think, um, you know, uh, I mentioned supply chain briefly at the start of this. Um, the idea has been there for a while, but I think that it, it's kind of tapered off as of late because there just hasn't been a ton of return uh, on those investments and, and companies have kind of slowed down. Um, but I think that that'll come back. I think that the reason that supply chain is an interesting use of blockchain is it is very a very sequential uh, operation. You have kind of a need, you have a lot of, um, you know, potential fraud and mistrust that is going on uh, in those things. And if you can eliminate that through software, I think you can open up kind of a lot more opportunity. Other things, uh, healthcare, I think is a big one. I think being able to store patient records in these databases that can kind of be updated by, you know, specific people, whether that's um, hospitals or uh, whoever, but then viewed by a lot more people um, and maybe viewed only on a uh, um, on a permission level by the patient, but still uh, viewed by anybody. So you don't have to worry about passing EHRs back and forth between different places. And then maybe the last cool one would be in government. So I think that voting uh, could be made a lot better uh, if we could digitize it. And I think one of the biggest issues with digitizing it is feeling like we can't trust it. Um, as we saw in 2020, just kind of the chaos there. And, and so being able to fully digitize it, vote from your phone kind of thing, uh, is probably going to use some kind of blockchain uh, in order to successfully do that. And there's tons more, but I think, you know, um, that is, uh, that's probably a good three to just get you thinking. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's exciting. And I'm sure, 
in each of those different industries, there's going to be a ton of innovations on the blockchain that will then spill into other things. And I feel like it's just mm -hmm. going to be a big web of connections yeah no for sure and, and it's cool because it's all like um it's it's all connected right so if it's all if it's all stored on even separate blockchains um you know it still ends up making our world much more digital much more connected and it allows us to be much faster and more efficient with all of our data collection i mean imagine if you had like uh, all of your EHRs, all your health records in a blockchain that was maybe uh, some in connected to um, the Ethereum blockchain, and you started using decentralized finance for all your finances, and and you know all of your medical records were stored on a separate blockchain. You could kind of have all of that without ever needing to to think about it. People who that you want to give permission to to use it with, to pay with, you know, all could work. So you show up to the hospital, you give them access to your um, health data on a blockchain. And then after doing that, you know, they've already got your, you know, public key for your uh, Ethereum address and they can charge you for your, you know, little visit and, uh, all the information gets updated, all the finances get tracked for you. And then you really never have to think about it and never have to pay anybody to do it for you. So I don't know. It's exciting. It's slow moving still. It's still early, but, uh, something to keep your eye on for sure. Yeah. And this, I mean, I learned, I, I learned a lot here because, I guess I, my knowledge and my understanding of, of blockchain kind of stops at crypto. So it's kind of cool to hear that there are other areas um, that it can move into. And, you know, just overall, just as a summary, you know, this is a this is a technology that isn't going anywhere. Um, it's only going to continue to get built out even more. We're going to see it in more areas. It's going to extend far beyond just finance. Um, so I think it's it's something that's really exciting. And you know, if there are other topics kind of like this, or if there's a specific area that we lightly touched on today that you want us to go deeper, you know, shoot us a message on uh, on on Instagram. Uh, let us know, and you know, these are the kind of conversations that that we like to have. Um, so, you know, if there's something that you guys want to hear, something you want us to break down, please let us know. Yep, keep it real, everybody.